Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Today, two stories from The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood by Howard Pyle. The first story, Robin Hood and the Tinker. The second story, The Shooting Match at Nottingham. And now, Robin Hood and the Tinker. Now, it was told before how 200 pounds were set upon Robin Hood's head, and how the sheriff of Nottingham swore that he himself would seize Robin, both because he would fain have the two hundred pounds, and because the slain man was a kinsman of his own. Now the sheriff did not yet know what a force Robin had about him in Sherwood, but thought that he might serve a warrant for his arrest as he could upon any other man that had broken the laws. Therefore he offered fourscore golden angels to anyone who would serve this warrant. But men of Nottingham Town knew more of Robin Hood and his doings than the sheriff did, and many laughed to think of serving a warrant upon this bold outlaw, knowing well that all they would get for such service would be cracked crowns, so that no one came forward to take the matter in hand. Thus a fortnight passed, in which time none came forward to do the sheriff's business. Then said he, A right good reward have I offered to whosoever would serve my warrant upon Robin Hood, and I marvel that no one has come to undertake the task. Then one of his men who was near him said, Good master, Thou knowest not the force that Robin Hood has about him, and how little he cares for the warrant of king or sheriff. Truly, no one likes to go on this service, for fear of cracked crowns and broken bones. Then I hold all Nottingham men to be cowards, said the sheriff, and let me see the man in all Nottinghamshire that dare disobey the warrant of our sovereign lord King Harry, for, by the shrine of St. Edmund, I will hang him forty cubits high. But if no man in Nottingham dare win fourscore angels, I will send elsewhere, for there should be men of metal somewhere in this land. Then he called up a messenger in whom he placed great trust, and bade him saddle his horse, and make ready to go to Lincoln Town to see whether he could find anyone there that would do his bidding, and win the reward. So that same morning the messenger started forth upon his errand. Bright shone the sun upon the dusty highway that led from Nottingham to Lincoln, stretching away all white over hill and dale. Dusty was the highway, and dusty the throat of the messenger, so that his heart was glad when he saw before him the sign of the Blue Boar Inn, when somewhat more than half his journey was done. The inn looked fair to his eyes, and the shade of the oak trees that stood around it seemed cool and pleasant, so he alighted from his horse to rest himself for a time, calling for a pot of ale to refresh his thirsty throat. There he saw a party of right jovial fellows seated beneath the spreading oak that shaded the greensward in front of the door. There was a tinker, two barefoot friars, and a party of six of the king's foresters, all clad in Lincoln green, and all of them were quaffing humming ale and singing merry ballads of the good old times. Loud laughed the foresters as jests were bandied about between the singing, and louder laughed the friars, for they were lusty men with beards that curled like the will of black rams. But loudest of all laughed the tinker, and he sang more sweetly than any of the rest. His bag and his hammer hung upon a twig of the oak tree, and nearby leaned his good stout cudgel, as thick as his wrist, and nodded at the end. "'Come,' cried one of the foresters to the tired messenger, "'come join us for this shot. Oh, landlord, bring a fresh pot of ale for each man.' The messenger was glad enough to sit down along with the others who were there, for his limbs were weary, and the ale was good. "'Now what news bearest thou so fast?' quoth one. "'And whither ridest thou to-day?' The messenger was a chatty soul, and loved a bit of gossip dearly. Besides, the pot of ale warmed his heart, so that, 
settling himself in an easy corner of the inn bench, while the host leaned upon the doorway, and the hostess stood with her hands beneath her apron. He unfolded his budget of news with great comfort. He told all from the very first, how Robin Hood had slain the forester, and how he had hidden in the greenwood to escape the law, how that he lived therein, all against the law, God what, slain his majesty's deer, and levying toll on fat abbot, knight, and esquire, so that none dared travel, even on broad Watling Street, or the Fosse Way, for fear of him. How that the sheriff had a mind to serve the king's warrant upon this same rogue, though little would he mind warrant of either king or sheriff, for Robin was far from being a law-abiding man. Then he told how none could be found in all Nottingham town to serve this warrant, for fear of cracked pates and broken bones, and how that he, the messenger, was now upon his way to Lincoln town to find of what metal the Lincoln men might be. "'Now come I, forsooth, from good Banbury town,' said the jolly tinker, "'and no one nigh Nottingham, nor Sherwood either, "'and that be the mark, can hold cudgel with my grip. "'My lads, did I not meet that mag-wag Simon of Eli, "'even at the famous fair of Hertford town, "'and beat him in the ring at that place "'before Sir Robert of Leslie and his lady?' "'This same Robin Hood, of whom, I wot, I never heard before, "'is a right merry blade, but gin he be strong?' "'Am not I stronger? "'And guinea be sly. "'Am I not slyer? "'Now by the bright eyes of Nan of the Mill, "'and by my own name, "'and that's Watt of the Crabstaff, "'and by my own mother's son, "'and that's myself, will I, "'even I, Watt of the Crabstaff, "'meet this same sturdy rogue, "'and guinea mine not the seal "'of our glorious sovereign King Harry, "'and the warrant of the good sheriff "'of Nottinghamshire. "'I will so bruise, beat, "'and bemaul his pate,' "'that he shall never move finger or toe again. "'Hear ye that, bully boys?' "'Now art thou the man for my farthing?' "'cried the messenger. "'And back thou goest with me to Nottingham Town.' "'Nay,' quoth the tinker, "'shaking his head slowly from side to side. "'Go I with no man, "'gin it not be with mine own free will.' "'Nay, nay,' said the messenger. "'No man is there in Nottinghamshire "'could make thee go against thy will, "'thou brave fellow.' "'Aye, that be I brave,' said the tinker. "'Aye, Mary,' said the messenger, "'thou art a brave lad, "'but our good sheriff hath offered fourscore angels of bright gold "'to whosoever shall serve the warrant upon Robin Hood, "'though little good will it do. "'Then I will go with thee, lad. "'Do but wait till I get my bag and hammer, and my cudgel, "'and let me but meet this same Robin Hood, "'and let me see whether he will not mind the king's warrant.' So, after having paid their score, the messenger, with the tinker striding beside his nag, started back to Nottingham again. One bright morning soon after this time, Robin Hood started off to Nottingham town to find what was a-doing there, walking merrily along the roadside where the grass was sweet with daisies, his eyes wandering, and his thoughts also. His bugle-horn hung at his hip and his bow and arrows at his back, while in his hand he bore a good stout oaken staff, which he twirled with his fingers as he strolled along. As thus he walked down a shady lane, he saw a tinker coming, trolling a merry song as he drew nigh. On his back hung his bag and his hammer, and in his hand he carried a right stout crab-staff, full six feet long, and thus sang he, At peace got time, when hound to horn, gives ears till buck be killed, and little lads with pipes of corn, sit keeping beasts afield. Hello, good friend, cried Robin. Hello! "'cried Robin again. "'Hello! Art thou deaf, man? "'Good friend, say I.' 
"'And who art thou dost so boldly check a fair song?' "'quoth the tinker, stopping in his singing. "'Hello thine own self, whether thou be good friend or no. "'But let me tell thee, thou stout fellow, "'gin thou be a good friend, it were well for us both. "'But gin thou be no good friend, it will be ill for thee. "'And whence comest thou, my lusty blade?' "'quoth Robin. "'I come from Banbury,' answered the tinker. "'Alas!' quoth Robin. "'I hear there is sad news this merry morn.' "'Ha! "'Is it indeed so?' cried the tinker eagerly. "'Pry thee tell it speedily, "'for I am a tinker by trade, as thou seest, "'and as I am in my trade, "'I am greedy for news, "'even as a priest is greedy for farthings.' "'Well, then,' quoth Robin, "'list thou and I will tell.' "'but bear thyself up bravely, "'for the news is sad, I wot. "'Thus it is. "'I hear the two tinkers are in the stocks "'for drinking ale and beer. "'Now a murrain sees thee in thy news, "'thou scurvy dog,' quoth the tinker, "'for thou speakest but ill of good men. "'But sad news it is indeed, "'gin there be two stout fellows in the stocks.' "'Nay,' said Robin, "'thou hast missed the mark, "'and dost but weep for the wrong sow.' THE SADNESS OF THE NEWS LIETH IN THAT THERE BE BUT TWO IN THE STOCKS, FOR THE OTHERS ARE STILL ROAMING THE COUNTRY AT LARGE. NOW, BY THE PEWTER PLATTER OF ST. DUNSTON, CRIED THE TINKER, I HAVE A GOOD PART OF MIND TO BASE THY HIDE FOR THINE ILL JEST. BUT GIN MEN BE PUT IN THE STOCKS FOR DRINK AND ALE AND BEER, I TROW THOU WOULDST NOT LOSE THY PART. LOUD LAUGHED ROBIN, AND CRIED, NOW WELL TAKEN, TINKER, WELL TAKEN. WHY, THY WITS ARE LIKE BEER. "'and do froth up most when they grow sour. "'But right art thou, man, "'for I love ale and beer right well. "'Therefore come straightway with me "'hard by to the sign of the blue boar, "'if thou drinkest as thou appearest, "'and I wot thou wilt not belie thy looks. "'I will drench thy throat "'with as good home-brewed "'as ever was tapped in all broad Nottinghamshire. "'Now, by my faith,' said the tinker, "'thou art a right good fellow "'in spite of thy scurvy jest. "'I love thee, my sweet chuck, "'and if I don't go with you to that same blue boar, "'you can call me a heathen. "'Tell me thy news, good friend, I pray thee,' "'quoth Robin, as they trudged along together. "'For tinkers, I ween, are as full of news "'as an egg is of meat.' "'Now I love thee as my brother, my bully blade,' "'said the tinker, "'else I would not tell thee my news, "'for sly am I, man, "'and I have in hand a grave undertaking "'that doth call for all my wits.' "'for I come to seek a bold outlaw "'that men hereabouts call Robin Hood. "'Within my pouch I have a warrant, "'all fairly written out on parchment, "'forsooth, with a great red seal for it "'to make it lawful. "'Could I but meet this same Robin Hood, "'I would serve it upon his dainty body, "'and if he minded it not, "'I would beat him till every one of his ribs "'would cry Amen. "'But thou livest hereabouts. "'Mayhap thou knowest Robin Hood thyself, good fellow.' "'Aye, Mary,' "'That I do somewhat,' quoth Robin, "'and I've seen him this very morn. "'But, Tinker, men say that he is but a sad, sly thief. "'Thou hadst better watch thy warrant, man, "'or else he may steal it out of thy very pouch.' <laughs> "'Let him but try,' cried the Tinker. "'Sly may he be, but sly am I too. "'Would I had him here now, man to man?' "'And he made his heavy cutsel to spin again. "'But what manner of man is he, lad?' "'Much like myself,' said Robin, laughing. "'And in height and build and age, nigh the same. "'And he had blue eyes, too.' "'Nay,' quoth the tinker, "'thou art but a green youth, 
I thought him to be a great bearded man. Nottingham men feared him so. Truly, he is not so old, nor so stout as thou art, said Robin. But men do call him a right deft hand at quarterstaff. That may be, said the tinker, right sturdily. But I am more deft than he. For did I not overcome Simon of Eli in a fair bout in the ring at Hertford Town? But if thou knowest him, my jolly blade, wilt thou go with me and bring me to him? Fourscore bright angels hath the sheriff promised me if I serve the warrant upon the knave's body, and ten of them will I give to thee if thou showest me him. Ay, that will I, quoth Robin, but show me thy warrant, man, until I see whether it be good or no. That will I not do, even to mine own brother, answered the tinker. No man shall see my warrant till I serve it upon yon fellow's own body. So be it, quoth Robin, and thou show it not to me, I know not to whom thou wilt show it. But here we are at the sign of the blue boar, so let us in and taste his brown October. No sweeter inn could be found in all Nottinghamshire than that of the blue boar. None had such lovely trees standing around, or was so covered with trailing clematis and sweet woodbine. None had such good beer and such humming ale. Nor in winter time, when the north wind howled and snow drifted around the hedges, was there to be found elsewhere such a roaring fire as blazed upon the hearth of the blue boar. At such times might be found a goodly company of yeomen or country folk seated around the blazing hearth, bandying merry jest, while roasted crabs bobbed in bowls of ale upon the hearthstone. Well known was the inn to Robin Hood and his band, for there had he and such merry companions as Little John, or Will Stutely, or young David of Doncaster, often gathered when all the forest was filled with snow. As for mine host, he knew how to keep a still tongue in his head, and to swallow his words before they passed his teeth, for he knew very well which side of his bread was spread with butter, for Robin and his band were the best of customers, and paid their scores without having them chalked up behind the door. So now, when Robin Hood and the Tinker came there too, and called aloud for two great pots of ale, none would have known from look or speech that the host had ever set eyes upon the outlaw before. "'Bind thou here,' quoth Robin to the Tinker, "'while I go and see that mine host draweth ale from the right butt, "'for he hath good October, I know, "'and that brewed by withhold of Tamworth.' "'So Zane, he went within and whispered to the host "'to add a measure of Flemish strong waters to the good English ale, "'which the latter did, and brought it to them. "'By our lady,' said the Tinker, after a long drought of the ale, "'yon same withhold of Tamworth, a right good Saxon name, too. "'I would have thee know.' "'Breweth the most humming ale that e'er passed the lips of water the crabstaff.' "'Drink, man, drink!' cried Robin, only wetting his own lips meanwhile. "'Ho, landlord, bring my friend another pot of the same. "'And now for a song, my jolly blade.' "'Aye, that will I give thee a song, my lovely fellow,' quoth the tinker, "'for I never tasted such ale in all my days before. "'By our lady, it doth make my head hum even now.' "'Hey, Dame Hostess, come listen, and thou wouldst hear a song. "'And thou too, thou bonny lass, "'for never sing I so well as when bright eyes do look upon me the while.' "'Then he sang an ancient ballad of the time of good King Arthur, "'called The Marriage of Sir Gawain, "'which you may sometime read yourself in stout English of early times. "'And as he sang, all listened to that noble tale of noble knight "'and his sacrifice to his king. "'But long before the tinker came to the last verse,' His tongue began to trip, and his head to spin, because of the strong waters mixed with the ale. 
First his tongue tripped, then it grew thick of sound, then his head wagged from side to side, until at last he fell asleep, as though he would never awaken again. Then Robin Hood laughed aloud and quickly took the warrant from out of Tinker's pouch with his dull fingers. "'Sly art thou, Tinker,' quoth he, "'but not yet, I bow, art thou as sly as that same sly thief, Robin Hood.' Then he called the host to him and said, "'Here, good man, are ten broad shillings for the entertainment thou hast given us this day. See that thou takest good care of thy fair guest there, and when he wakes thou mayest again charge him ten shillings also, and if he hath it not, thou mayst take his bag and hammer, and even his coat in payment. Thus do I punish those that come into the greenwood to deal dole to me. As for thine own self, never knew I a landlord yet that would not charge twice if he could.' At this the host smiled slyly, as though saying to himself the rustic saw, Teach a magpie to suck eggs. The tinker slept until the afternoon drew to a close, and the shadows grew long beside the woodland edge. Then he awoke. First he looked up, and then he looked down. Then he looked east, then he looked west, for he was gathering his wits together, like barley straws blown apart by the wind. First he thought of his merry companion, but he was gone. Then he thought of his stout crabstaff, and that he had within his hand. Then of his warrant, and of the fourscore angels he was to gain for serving it upon Robin Hood. He thrust his hand into his pouch, but not a scrap nor a farthing was there. Then he sprang to his feet in a rage. "'Ho, landlord!' cried he. "'Whither hath that knave gone that was with me but now?' "'What knave meaneth your worship?' quoth the landlord, calling the tinker worship to soothe him. "'as a man would pour oil upon angry water. "'I saw no knave with your worship, "'for I swear no man would dare call that man knave "'so nigh to Sherwood Forest. "'A right stout yeoman I saw with your worship, "'but I thought that your worship knew him, "'for few there be about here that pass him by and know him not. "'Now how should I, that ne'er have squealed in your sty, "'know all about the swine therein? "'Who was he? Who was he then? "'And thou knowest him so well?' "'Why, yon same is right stout fellow whom men hereabouts do call Robin Hood.' "'Now by your lady!' cried the tinker hastily, and in a deep voice like an angry bull. "'Thou didst see me come into thine inn, I, a staunch, honest craftsman, and never told me who my company was, well knowing thine own self who he was. Now I have a right round piece of mind to crack thy knave's pate for thee.' Then he took up his cudgel and looked at the landlord as though he would smite him where he stood. "'Nay!' cried the host, throwing up his elbow, for he feared the blow. "'How knew I that thou knewest him not?' "'Well, and truly thankful mayst thou be,' quoth the tinker, "'that I be a patient man, and so do spare thy bald crown, "'else wouldst thou ne'er cheat customer again. "'But as for this same knave Robin Hood, I go straightway to seek him, "'and if I do not score his knave's pate, "'cut my staff into faggots and call me woman.' "'So saying,' "'he gathered himself together to depart. "'Nay!' quoth the landlord, "'standing in front of him "'and holding out his arms "'like a goose-herd driving his flock, "'for money made him bold. "'Thou goest not "'till thou hast paid me my score. "'But did he not pay thee? "'Not so much as one farthing, "'and ten good shillings worth of ale "'have you drunk this day. "'Nay, I say, "'thou goest not away without paying me, "'else shall our good sheriff know of it. "'But I have nothing to pay you with.' "'Good fellow,' quoth the tinker. "'Good fellow, not me,' said the landlord. "'Good fellow am I not, when it cometh to lose ten shillings. "'Pay me that thou owest me in broad money, 
or else leave thy coat and bag and hammer. Yet I say they're not worth ten shillings, and I shall lose thereby. Nay, and thou stirrest, I have a great dog within, and I will loose him upon thee. Macon, open thou the door, and let forth the dog if this fellow stirs one step. Nay, quoth the tinker, for by roaming the country he had learned what dogs were. Take thou what thou wilt have, let me depart in peace, and many a murrain go with thee. But remember this, landlord, and I catch ye on scurvy Robin Hood, I swear he shall pay full with usury for what he hath had. So saying, he strode away toward the forest, talking to himself, while the landlord and his worthy dame and Macon stood looking after him, and laughed when he had fairly gone. Robin and I stripped yon ass of his pack main neatly, quoth the landlord. Now it happened about this time that Robin Hood was going through the forest to Fozzy Way, to see what was to be seen there, for the moon was full, and the night gave promise of being bright. In his hand he carried his stout oaken staff, and at his side hung his bugle-horn. And thus he walked up a forest path, whistling, while down another path came the tinker, muttering to himself and shaking his head like an angry bull. And so, at a sudden bend, they met sharply face to face. Each stood still for a time, and then Robin spoke. "'Hello, my sweet bird,' said Robin, laughing merrily. "'How likest thou thine ale? Wilt not sing to me another song?' The tinker said nothing at first, but stood looking at Robin with a grim face. "'Now,' quoth he at last, "'I'm right glad I've met thee, and if I do not rattle thy bones within thy hide this day, I give thee leave to put thy foot upon my neck.' "'With all my heart,' cried merry Robin, "'rattle my bones, if thou can.' So saying, he gripped his staff and threw himself upon his guard. Then the tinker spat upon his hands, and, grasping his staff, came straight at the other. He struck two or three blows, but soon found that he had met his match, for Robin warded and parried all of them, and before the tinker thought, he gave him a rap upon the ribs in return. At this Robin laughed aloud, and the tinker grew more angry than ever, and smote again with all his might and main. Again Robin warded two of the bold strokes, but at the third his staff broke beneath the mighty blows of the tinker. Now ill betide thee, traitor's staff! cried Robin, as it fell from his hands. A foul stick art thou to serve me thus in mine hour of need. Now yield thee, quoth the tinker, for thou art my captive, and if thou do not, I will beat thy pate to a pudding. To this Robin Hood made no answer, but, clapping his horn to his lips, he blew three blasts, loud and clear. Aye, quoth the tinker, blow thou mayest, but go thou must with me to Nottingham town, for the sheriff would fain see thee there. Now wilt thou yield thee, or shall I have to break thy pretty head? And I must drink sour ale, I must, quoth Robin, but never have I yielded me to man before, and that without wound or mark upon my body, nor when I bethink me will I yield now. Ho, my merry men, come quickly. Then from out of the forest leaped little John and six stout yeomen clad in Lincoln green. How now, good master? cried Little John. What need hast thou that thou dost wind thy horn so loudly? There stands a tinker, quoth Robin, that would fain take me to Nottingham, there to hang upon the gallows tree. Then shall he himself hang forthwith, cried Little John, and he and the others made it the tinker to seize him. Nay, touch him not, said Robin, for a right stout man is he, a metal man he is by trade, and a metalled man by nature. Moreover, he doth sing a lovely ballad. Say, good fellow, 
wilt thou join my merry men all? Three suits of Lincoln green shalt thou have a year, besides forty marks in fee. Thou shalt share all with us, and lead a right merry life in the greenwood. For cares have we not, and misfortune cometh not upon us within the sweet shades of Sherwood, where we shoot the dun deer, and feed upon venison and sweet oaten cakes, and curds and honey. Wilt thou come with me? Aye, merry will I join with you all, quoth the tinker, for I love a merry life, and I love thee, good master, though thou didst whack my ribs and cheat me into the bargain. Fain am I to own thou art both a stouter and slyer man than I, so I will obey thee, and be thine own true servant. So all turned their steps to the forest depths, where the tinker was to live henceforth. For many a day he sang ballads to the band, until the famous Alan Adale joined them, before whose sweet voice all others seemed as harsh as a raven's. But of him we will learn hereafter. We'll return with our second story, The Shooting Match at Nottingham Town, right after these sponsor messages. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. And now the shooting match at Nottingham Town. Then the sheriff was very wroth because of this failure to take Jolly Robin, for it came to his ears, as ill news always does, that the people laughed at him and made a jest of his thinking to serve a warrant upon such a one as the bold outlaw. And a man hates nothing so much as being made a jest of. So he said, Our gracious lord and sovereign king himself shall know of this, and how his laws are perverted and despised by this band of rebel outlaws. As for yon traitor tinker, him I will hang, if I catch him, upon the very highest gallows tree in all Nottinghamshire. Then he bade all his servants and retainers to make ready to go to London town, to see and speak with the king. At this there was bustling at the sheriff's castle, and men ran hither and thither upon this business and upon that, while the forge fires of Nottingham glowed red far into the night like twinkling stars, for all the smiths of the town were busy making or mending armor for the sheriff's troop of escort. For two days this labor lasted, then, on the third, all was ready for the journey. So forth they started in the bright sunlight, from Nottingham Town to Fosse Way, and thence to Watling Street. And so they journeyed for two days, until they saw at last the spires and towers of Great London Town. And many folks stopped, as they journeyed along, and gazed at the show they made riding along the highway with their flashing armor and gay plumes and trappings. In London, King Henry and his fair Queen Eleanor held their court, gay with ladies in silks and satins, and velvets and cloth of gold and also brave knights and gallant courtiers. Thither came the sheriff, and was shown into the king's presence. "'A boon!' quoth he, as he knelt upon the ground before the king. 
"'Now what wouldst thou have?' said the king. "'Let us hear what may be thy desires.' "'Oh, my good lord and sovereign,' spake the sheriff, "'in Sherwood Forest, in our own good shire of Nottingham, "'live with the bold outlaw, whose name is Robin Hood.' "'In good sooth,' said the king, "'his doings have reached even our own royal ears. "'He is a saucy, rebellious varlet, "'yet, I am fain to own, a right merry soul withal.' "'But hearken, O my most gracious sovereign,' said the sheriff. "'I sent a warrant to him with thine own royal seal attached "'by a right lusty knave. "'But he beat the messenger and stole the warrant. "'And he killeth thy deer and robbeth thine own liege subjects "'upon the great highways.' "'Why, how now?' quoth the king wrathfully. "'What wouldst thou have me do? "'Comest thou not to me with a great army of men-at-arms and retainers?' "'and yet art not able to take a single band of lusty knaves "'without armor on breast, in thine own county? "'What wouldst thou have me do? "'Art thou not my sheriff? "'Art not my laws in force in Nottinghamshire? "'Canst thou not take thine own course against those that break the laws, "'or do any injury to thee or thine? "'Go, get thee gone, and think well. "'Devise some plan of thine own, but trouble me no further.' "'But look well to it, Master Sheriff, "'for I will have my laws obeyed by all men within my kingdom, "'and if thou art not able to enforce them, "'thou art no sheriff for me. "'So look well to thyself, I say, "'or ill may befall thee, "'as well as all the thieving knaves in Nottinghamshire. "'When the flood cometh, it sweepeth away grain as well as chaff.' "'Then the sheriff turned away with a sore and troubled heart, "'and sadly he rued his fine show of retainers.' "'for he saw that the king was angry "'because he had so many men about him "'and yet could not enforce the laws. "'So, as they all rode slowly back to Nottingham, "'the sheriff was thoughtful and full of care. "'Not a word did he speak to anyone, "'and no one of his men spoke to him, "'but all the time he was busy devising some plan "'to take Robin Hood. "'Aha!' cried he suddenly, "'smiting his hand upon his thigh. "'I have it now. "'Ride on, my merry men all!' "'and let us get back to Nottingham Town as speedily as we may. "'And mark well my words. "'Before a fortnight is past, "'that evil knave Robin Hood "'will be safely clapped into Nottingham Jail.' "'But what was the sheriff's plan? "'As a usurer takes each one of a bag of silver angels, "'feeling each coin to find whether it be clipped or not, "'so the sheriff, as all rode slowly and sadly back toward Nottingham, "'took up thought after thought in turn.' "'feeling around the edges of each, "'but finding in every one some small flaw. "'At last he thought of the daring soul of Jolly Robin, "'and how, as he the sheriff knew, "'he often came even within the walls of Nottingham. "'Now,' thought the sheriff, "'could I but persuade Robin nigh to Nottingham town "'so that I could find him, "'I warrant I would lay hands upon him so stoutly "'that he would never get away again.' "'Then of a sudden it came to him like a flash,' "'that were he to proclaim a great shooting match "'and offer some grand prize, "'Robin Hood might be over-persuaded by his spirit "'to come to the butts. "'And it was this thought which caused him to cry, "'Aha!' and smite his palm upon his thigh. "'So as soon as he had returned safely to Nottingham, "'he sent messengers north and south, "'and east and west, "'to proclaim through town, hamlet, and countryside "'this grand shooting match, "'and everyone was bidden that could draw a longbow.' "'and the prize was to be an arrow of pure, beaten gold. "'When Robin Hood first heard the news of this, "'he was in Lincoln Town, 
and hastening back to Sherwood Forest, he soon called all his merry men about him, and spoke to them thus. Now hearken, my merry men all, to the news that I have brought from Lincoln Town today. Our friend the Sheriff of Nottingham hath proclaimed a shooting match, and hath sent messengers to tell of it through all the countryside, and the prize is to be a bright golden arrow. Now I fain would have one of us win it, both because of the fairness of the prize, and because our sweet friend the sheriff hath offered it. So we will take our bows and shafts and go there to shoot, for I know right well that merriment will be a-going. What say ye, lads? Then young David of Doncaster spoke up and said, Now listen, I pray thee, good master, unto what I say. I have come straight from our friend Eadom of the Blue Bear, and there I heard the full news of this same match. But, master, I know from him, and he got it from the sheriff's man Ralph of the Scar, that this same knavish sheriff hath but laid a trap for thee in this shooting match, and wishes nothing so much as to see thee there. So go not, good master, for I know right well he doth seek to beguile thee. But stay within the greenwood, lest we all may dole and woe. Now, quoth Robin, thou art a wise lad, and keepest thine ears open and thy mouth shut, as becometh a wise and crafty woodsman. But shall we let it be said that the sheriff of Nottingham did cow bold Robin Hood and seven score as fair archers as are all in merry England? Nay, good David, what thou tellest me maketh me to desire the prize even more than else I should do. But what saith our good gossip Swanthold? Is it not a hasty man burneth his mouth, and the fool that keepeth his eyes shut falleth into the pit? Thus he says, truly, therefore we must meet guile with guile. Now some of you clothe yourselves as curtle friars, and some as rustic peasants, and some as tinkers, or as beggars. But see that each man taketh a good bow or broadsword, in case need should arise. As for myself, I will shoot for this same golden arrow, and should I win it, we will hang it to the branches of our good greenwood tree for the joy of all of the band. How like you the plan, my merry men all! Then the cry of good, good, came from the band right heartily. A fair sight was Nottingham Town on the day of the shooting match. All along upon the green meadow beneath the town wall stretched a row of benches, one above the other, which were for the knight and lady, squire and dame, and rich burghers and their wives, for none but those of rank and quality were to sit there. At the end of the range, near the target, was a raised seat bedecked with ribbons and scarfs and garlands of flowers for the sheriff of Nottingham and his dame. The range was two score paces broad. At the end stood the target, at the other a tent of striped canvas, from the pole of which fluttered many colored flags and streamers. In this booth were casks of ale, free to be broached by any of the archers who might wish to quench their thirst. Across the range from where the seats for the better folk were raised was a railing to keep the poorer people from crowding in front of the target. Already, while it was early, the benches were beginning to fill with people of quality, who kept constantly arriving in little carts or upon palfreys that curveted gaily to the merry tinkles of silver bells and bridle reins. With these came also the poorer folk, who sat or lay upon the green grass near the railing that kept them from off the range. In the great tent the archers were gathering by twos and threes, some talking loudly of the fair shots each man had made in his day, some looking well to their bows, drawing a string betwixt the fingers to see that there was no fray upon it, or inspecting their arrows, shutting one eye and peering down a shaft to see that it was not warped, but straight and true, for neither bow nor shaft should fail at such a time, 
and for such a prize. It never was such a company of yeomen as were gathered at Nottingham Town that day, for the very best archers of Merry England had come to the shooting match. There was Gill of the Red Cap, the sheriff's own head archer, and Dick and Cruikshank of Lincoln Town, and Adam of the Dell, a man of Tamworth, of threescore years and more, yet hale and lusty still, who in his time had shot in the famous match at Woodstock, and had there beaten that renowned archer, Climb of the Clough. And many more famous men of the longbow were there, whose names had been handed down to us in goodly ballads of the olden time. But now all the benches were filled with guests, lord and lady, burger and dame, when at last the sheriff himself came with his lady, he riding with stately mien upon his milk-white horse and she upon her brown filly. Upon his head he wore a purple velvet cap, and purple velvet were his robe, all trimmed about with rich ermine. His jerkin and hose were of sea-green silk, and his shoes of black velvet, the pointed toes fastened to his garters with golden chains. A golden chain hung about his neck, and that his collar was a great carbuncle set in red gold. His lady was dressed in blue velvet, all trimmed with swans down. So they made a gallant sight as they rode along side by side, and all the people shouted from where they crowded across the space from the gentlefolk. So the sheriff and his lady came to their place, where men at arms, with hauberk and spear, stood about, waiting for them. Then when the sheriff and his dame had sat down, he bade his herald wind upon his silver horn, who thereupon sounded three blasts that came echoing cheerily back from the gray walls of Nottingham. Then the archers stepped forth to their places, while all the folks shouted with a mighty voice, each man calling upon his favorite yeoman. Redcap! cried some. Crookshank! cried others. Hey, for William of Leslie! shouted others yet again while ladies waved silken scarfs to urge each yeoman to do his best. Then the herald stood forth and loudly proclaimed the rules of the game as follows. Shoot each man from yon mark, which is a seven score yards and ten from the target. One arrow shooteth each man first, and from all the archers shall the ten that shooteth the fairest shafts be chosen for to shoot again. Two arrows shooteth each man of these ten, then shall the three that shoot the fairest shaft be chosen for to shoot again. Three arrows shooteth each man of those three, and to him that shooteth the fairest shafts shall the prize be given. Then the sheriff leaned forward, looking keenly among the press of archers to find whether Robin Hood was among them. But no one was there clad in Lincoln green, such as was worn by Robin and his band. Nevertheless, said the sheriff to himself, he may still be there. "'and I miss him among the crowd of other men. "'But let me see when but ten men shoot, "'for I wot he will be among the ten, "'or I know him not.' "'And now the archers shot, each man in turn, "'and the good folk never saw such archery "'as was done that day. Six arrows were within the clout, four within the black, "'and only two smote the outer ring, "'so that when the last arrow sped and struck the target, "'all the people shouted aloud, "'for it was noble shooting.' and now but ten men were left of all those that had shot before, and of these ten, six were famous throughout the land, and most of the folk gathered there knew them. These six men were Gilbert of the Red Cap, Adam of the Dell, Dickon Cruikshank, William O'Leslie, Hubert O'Cloud, and Swithin of Hertford. Two others were yeomen of Merry Yorkshire, another was a tall stranger in blue, who said he came from London town, and the last was a tattered stranger in scarlet, who wore a patch over one eye. Now, 
quoth the sheriff to a man-at-arms, who stood near him, "'Seest thou Robin Hood among those ten? "'Nay, that I do not, your worship,' answered the man. Six of them I know right well. "'Of those Yorkshire yeomen, one is too tall, "'and the other too short for that bold knave. "'Robin's beard is as yellow as gold, "'while yon tattered beggar in scarlet hath the beard of brown, "'besides being blind of one eye. "'As for the stranger in blue, "'Robin's shoulders, I ween, are three inches broader than his.' "'Then,' quoth the sheriff, smiting his thigh angrily, "'yon knave is a coward as well as a rogue, "'and dares not show his face among good men and true.' Then, after they had rested a short time, those ten stout men stepped forth to shoot again. Each man shot two arrows, and as they shot, not a word was spoken, but all the crowd watched with scarce a breath of sound. And when the last had shot his arrow, another great shout arose, while many cast their caps aloft for joy of such marvellous shooting. "'Now, by our gracious lady fair,' called old Sir Amyas of the Dell, who, bowed with fourscore years and more, sat near the sheriff, "'Ne'er I saw such archery in all my life, "'yet I have seen the best hands at the longbow "'for threescore years and more. "'And now but three men were left "'of all those that had shot before. "'One was Gill of the Red Cap, "'one the tattered stranger in Scarlet, "'and one Adam of the Dell of Tamworth Town. "'Then all the people called aloud, "'some crying, "'Ho for Gilbert of the Red Cap!' "'and some, "'Hey for stout Adam of Tamworth!' but not a single man in the crowd called upon the stranger in scarlet. "'Now shoot thou well, Gilbert,' cried the sheriff, "'and if thine be the best shaft, five score broad silver pennies will I give thee beside the prize.' "'Truly I will do my best,' quoth Gilbert right sturdily. "'A man cannot do aught but his best, but that will I strive to do this day.' So saying, he drew forth a fair smooth arrow with a broad feather, and fitted it deftly to the string. Then— Drawing his bow with care, he sped the shaft. Straight flew the arrow and lit fairly in the clout, a finger's breadth from the center. "'A Gilbert! A Gilbert!' And, "'Now, by my faith!' cried the sheriff, smiting his hands together. "'That is a shrewd shot!' Then the tattered stranger stepped forth, and all the people laughed as they saw a yellow patch that showed beneath his arm when he raised his elbow to shoot, and also to see him aim with but one eye. He drew the good yew bow quickly, and quickly loosed the shaft. So short was the time that no man could draw a breath betwixt the drawing and the shooting. Yet his arrow lodged nearer the center than the other by twice the length of a barley gorn. "'Now by all the saints in paradise,' cried the sheriff, "'that is a lovely shaft in very truth.' Then Adam of the Dell shot, carefully and cautiously, and his arrow lodged close beside the stranger's. Then after a short space they all three shot again, and once more each arrow lodged within the clout. But this time Adam of the Dells was farthest from the center, and again the tattered stranger's shot was the best. Then, after another time of rest, they all shot for the third time. This time Gilbert took great heed to his aim, keenly measuring the distance and shooting with shrewdest care. Straight flew the arrow, and all shouted till the very flags that waved in the breeze shook with the sound, and the rooks and daws flew clamoring about the roofs of the old gray tower, for the shaft had lodged close beside the spot that marked the very center. "'Well done, Gilbert!' cried the sheriff, right joyously. "'Fain am I to believe the prize is thine, and right fairly won. "'Now, thou ragged knave, let me see thee shoot a better shaft than that.' 
not spake the stranger, but took his place, while all was hushed, and no one spoke, or even seemed to breathe, so great was the silence for wonder what he would do. Meanwhile also, quite still stood the stranger, holding his bow in his hand, while one could count five. Then he drew his trusty yew, holding it drawn but a moment, then loosed the string. Straight flew the arrow, and so true that it smote a gray goose feather from off Gilbert's shaft, which fell fluttering through the sunlit air as the stranger's arrow lodged close beside his of the red cap, and in the very center of the target. No one spoke a word for a while, and no one shouted, but each man looked into his neighbor's face amazedly. Nay, quoth old Adam of the Dell presently, drawing a long breath and shaking his head as he spoke. Two score years and more have I shot shaft, and maybe not at all times bad. But I shoot no more this day, for no man can match with you, stranger, whosoe'er you may be. Then he thrust his shaft into his quiver, rattling, and unstrung his bow without another word. Then the sheriff came down from his dais, and drew near, in all his silks and velvets, to where the tattered stranger stood leaning upon his stout bow, while the good folk crowded round to see the man who shot so wondrously well. "'Here, good fellow,' quoth the sheriff, "'take thou the prize, and well and fairly hast thou won it. I bow. What may be thy name? And whence comest thou?' "'Men do call me Jocko Teviadel, and thence am I come,' said the stranger. "'Then by our lady, Jock, thou art the fairest archer that e'er mine eyes behold, and if thou wilt join my service, I will clothe thee with a better coat than thou hast upon thy back. Thou shalt eat and drink of the best, and that every Christmas tide fourscore marks shall be thy wage. I trow thou drawest better bow than that same coward knave Robin Hood, that dared not show his face here this day. Say, good fellow,' "'Without join my service.' "'Nay, that will I not,' quoth the stranger roughly. "'I will be mine own, and no man in all merry England shall be my master.' "'Then get thee gone, and a murrain seize thee,' cried the sheriff, and his voice trembled with anger. "'And by my good faith and troth, I have a good part of mine to have thee beaten for thine insolence.' Then he turned upon his heel and strode away. It was a right motley company that gathered about the noble greenwood tree in Sherwood's depths that same day. A score and more of barefoot fires were there, and some that looked like tinkers, and some that seemed to be sturdy beggars and rustic hinds, and seated upon a mossy couch was one all clad in tattered scarlet, with a patch over one eye, and in his hand he held the golden arrow that was the prize of the great shooting match. Then, amidst the noise of talking and laughter, he took the patch from off his eye, and stripped away the scarlet rags from off his body, and showed himself all clothed in fair Lincoln green, and quoth he, Easy come these things away, but walnut stain cometh not so speedily from yellow hair. Then all laughed louder than before, for it was Robin Hood himself that had won the prize from the sheriff's very hands. Then all sat down to the woodland feast, and talked among themselves of the merry jest that had been played upon the sheriff, and of the adventures that had befallen each member of the band in his disguise. But when the feast was done, Robin Hood took little John apart and said, Truly am I vexed in my blood, for I heard the sheriff say today, Thou shootest better than that coward knave Robin Hood, that dared not show his face here this day. I would fain let him know who it was who won the golden arrow from out his hand, and also that I am no coward such as he takes me to be. Then little John said, Good master, Take thou me and Will Stutely, 
"'and we will send yon fat sheriff news of all this "'by a messenger such as he does not expect.' "'That day the sheriff sat at meat "'in the great hall of his house at Nottingham Town. "'Long tables stood down the hall, "'at which sat men-at-arms and household servants "'and good stout villains, "'and good stout bond-servants, "'in all fourscore and more. "'There they talked of the day's shooting "'as they ate their meat and quaffed their ale. "'The sheriff sat at the head of the table "'upon a raised seat under a canopy, "'and beside him sat his dame. "'By my troth,' said he, I did reckon full roundly that that knave Robin Hood would be at the game today. I did not think that he was such a coward. But who could that saucy knave be who answered me to my beard so bravely? I wonder that I did not have him beaten. But there was something about him that spoke of other things than rags and tatters. Then, even as he finished speaking, something fell rattling among the dishes on the table, while those that sat near started up wondering what it might be. After a while, "'one of the men-at-arms gathered courage enough to pick it up "'and bring it to the sheriff. "'Then everyone saw that it was a blunted gray goose-shaft "'with a fine scroll, about the thickness of a goose-quill, "'tied near to his head. "'The sheriff opened the scroll and glanced at it, "'while the veins upon his forehead swelled "'and his cheeks grew ruddy with rage as he read. "'For this was what he read. "'Now heaven bless thy grace this day, "'say all in sweet Sherwood.' "'for thou didst give the prize away to merry Robin Hood.' "'Whence came this?' cried the sheriff in a mighty voice. "'It came through the window, your worship,' "'quoth the man who handed the shaft to him.' "'Thank you all for joining us for these two great stories, "'Robin Hood and the Tinker and the Shooting Match at Nottingham, "'from The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood by Howard Pyle.' We could really use some fresh reviews here at 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. So if you've been enjoying our stories, now would be a great time and a very much appreciated time for you, especially you Apple listeners, to take a few moments and send us a review for 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. We also appreciate our Patreon supporters at patreon.com forward slash 1001 Stories Network. We appreciate all of our listeners more than you could ever know. And we appreciate your sharing our shows with others. By the way, I had made a note of telling you that we just started that we've just started a great story over at 1001 Stories for the Road. The story was the second novel written by the great mystery writer Agatha Christie. The story is called The Secret Adversary, and we're reading it two chapters at a time. I believe that you who listen here at 1001 Classic Short Stories would enjoy this story as well as others we've done there very, very much. That's 1001 Stories for the Road. Whether you listen to Apple or Android hosts like Spotify, you'll find 1001 Stories for the Road there. The Secret Adversary is a great story, and I know you'll enjoy it, so give it a try. Meanwhile, everyone, we'll return next Sunday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Until then, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon.